Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Big and Fruity, a podcast for people who like a glass of wine. Sit back, relax, pour out a glass of your favorite wine, and join our host, Mr. Dave AC, for the next hour, while we enjoy some nice wine. man who likes a good glass of red wine, your host, Mr. Dave AC. And welcome everybody, welcome to the Big and Fruity Wine Podcast. I am, of course, your host Dave AC, and it's already another Tuesday. Unbelievable and unbelievable events happening in the United States. Um, it sometimes makes me think that my overdraft isn't quite so bad. I'm not quite $16 trillion in debt yet, but um, it is always possible. So I welcome guests to enter the room. I will um, allow uh, text chat in a moment, guests too. I'm just getting uh, going with my call at the moment. Uh, but if you bear with me, I will uh, allow chat very, very quickly. Um, so welcome to the very start of episode 108, Skin Contact White Wine is the topic. And the call ID is double one double two seven two, and um, we will, as usual, or I, as usual, be uh, drinking a wine alongside, and I will be talking about that during the course of the call, and then we will be doing that main topic, and we will also have a couple of wine facts of things during the news. Now, sadly, I couldn't get hold of a skin contact white wine, but as I usually do on the Big and Fruity Wine podcast. Uh, where I drink red wine, I thought, well, at least I can make the effort and drink a white wine. So I have indeed got myself a white wine. As I say, not one of these special skin contact white wines, sometimes known as orange wines, but that will still be the body of the show. And as soon as I can actually get one, um, and this is not for any reason, I mean, I tried a few places, but I didn't go to any specialist wine merchants, which perhaps was a mistake on my part. And while I'm saying about mistakes, let me make a little, a bit of apology for last week, not because um, I feel as though it wasn't a good show, but I had taken on really a very, very large topic indeed. Uh, Just to remind you, episode 107, which I did on Tuesday the 24th of September, was uh, Wine Judging Wine Awards which is a tremendous topic to try and cover in, well, uh, 25 minutes of a 40-minute podcast. Um, so we really didn't uh, do as much on that as I would have hoped. But 
that might be a bonus because it means I can revisit that topic again in the future. So we will do that. And of course, since I have said that I don't have a skin contact white wine actually to taste on the call, whenever I do do that, then we will uh, refocus on this topic as well. So that's enough preamble, except to say this call goes out live on the TalkShoe site at 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 10 p.m. in the UK. And remember, by the way, we will have a number of weeks coming up where although the show will still be timed at 5 p.m. Um, Eastern Daylight Time, here in the UK we will be switching off summertime uh, to GMT before they do in the United States. I think in the United States uh, they don't move to uh, the standard time until uh, uh, about eight, uh, 9th or 10th or 11th of November. So there will be at least three or four episodes where they will be going out at 9pm here in the UK uh, because I stick with the Torchview format of uh, timing things by Eastern time. And while I'm at it, uh, sorry for this long intro, but let me just mention that next week um, I won't be doing the show live. Well, it is possible that I'll be doing it live, but more than likely I will be pre-recording it. Uh, next week's topic, by the way, is a wine report. Yes, on this coming Saturday, on Saturday the 5th, I'm going to Manchester, the, the main city near where I live, go to Manchester Town Hall to a... Uh, a wine fair there with lots of different uh, wine suppliers and uh, that with corks out and one or two others well uh, about a dozen others and I go with my friend Jack and I'll be going to that event and next uh, Tuesday's call which will of course be on the would normally be on the 8th of October will actually take the form of a report back from that wine tasting event so if anything, this is at least one show that I can do that doesn't need to be live because it will be reporting back from a live event that happened at the weekend. Uh, the reason why I'm unable to do it, certainly at the set time live, is that um, I'm going to a stage play in Manchester that Tuesday uh, with my daughter and partner. Uh, they're treating me to go and see um, uh, a stage play of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio play. And very much am I looking forward to that. So next week, uh, don't expect me to be live on the call at this normal time. It will either be a live call earlier in the day or it will be done as a pre-recorded show and I shall upload that uh, sometime on the Tuesday. Okay, do, do whistle on David. There's a drink here and... I was going to say it's warming up. Yes, it is warming up because it's a white wine. I took it out of the fridge about, uh, let me see, uh, just over 20, almost 25 minutes ago now. It's been open about 10 minutes, 15 minutes maybe now. And um, it's an Italian white wine. And I'm going to try and pronounce it. It's the Diccio de Castella di Deduced. Let me just listen to it being pronounced again, and then I will say it. Verdicchio dei Castei di Gesi. Verdicchio Castei dei de Gesi. Oh, it's <laughs> always difficult to say. It's from the San Paolo D. 
Medici region in uh, central Italy. And let me put a link into the map of the area where it is produced. And um, let me go to my um, uh, TwitPic picture, get that in the room. I think I'll actually read um, the TwitPic URL out before I smell and taste because I mashed up that pronunciation so badly you might want to take a look at the image while I speak about it. It's all in small case. It's from twitpick.com. So it's uh, twitpick.com forward slash D-F-O-T-A-U. twitpick.com forward slash D-F-O-T-A-U. And uh, let's have a look. Uh, well, 24 viewings, two, of course, which are mine. And um, let's have a little smell. I've got it in, of course, a white wine glass, a more open glass than my usual reds. And let's have a little smell. And what I'm getting is... It's not... Well, it is a grassy, but it's... It, is it more a scented grass, a lemongrass, or a... I think the other word that's coming to mind, oh, oh by the way, it's a beautiful pale yellow with just a, a almost a greenish tint to the yellow in in the in the artificial light I am using to look at it now. So it's a very pale, almost champagne pale colour, but it's got that very slight to me, a very slight greenish tinge to the yellow. Uh, the other smell I was getting is um, what I call green gauges um, not, like, like, not gooseberries but that sort of area of fruit hmm. let me have a taste hmm. and that it's got it's a dry white wine it's got quite an acidic edge to the fruit but the strange thing is, it, it in one sense it tastes like a thin acidic wine, but it is actually, and the the legs on the uh, on the glass here, it's actually got quite a a fuller mouth feel. So it's got a almost a dual aspect to it. It's it's light on the tongue, slightly acidic, but it's got the, the sort of a mouth feel of a a, a a a wine with more body than that suggests. This, by the way, is the Classico uh, on this label, 2012, 12.5%. Let me sit, mute myself and listen to the pronunciation one more time, and then I'll give it out to you. Verdicchio di Castelli di Gesi. Verdicchio Castelli di Gesi. I don't know whether that's right, but uh, we'll go with it. And Vidicchio, of course, is the actual great variety. So um, let me just uh, say, by the way, a little bit more about the wine before I go on saying that. Um, there's some information on the wine search, of course. But this is a wine I got from Sainsbury's. It was reduced. Um, I actually paid, what did I pay? It's normally almost £8, and I paid about £5, £5.40 for it. Um, and um, get all my little links that I've got here somewhere. Um, well, there's a wine searcher uh, link to the grape. I'll put that in the room while I just move across, and I'll read about that in a moment. 
Um, I've actually found, uh, here we are, Sainsbury's link now. So let me just copy and paste that into the room. Rather long link, and it's being awkward. It doesn't want to copy itself. Oh, dear me. Why is it not copying? Let me just refresh that page, and then I might be able to copy it. Let's get to the end. Gosh, what a, such a long link. Wow, I'm not too sure that will even go into the room. But if you go to um, my supermarket groceries, uh, this is a UK email address, uh, web address, mysupermarket.co.uk, uh, Sainsbury's Taste the Difference, the Dicchio del Castelli di Gizzi Classico. Normally, oh, it's normally 7 49 and it's a, a special offer at um, 5.61. And um, uh, there isn't actually any reviews there, um, but um, it, it, um, it is, a, as I say, Sainsbury's Taste the Difference, uh, and it's sort of a, a promoted wine at the moment. And I'm going to have another smell and another taste. That's really rather. It's, it's a, there's sort of a slightly grassy edge to it, but I think I still think it's more lemongrass, more green gauge on my palate. <clears throat> and um, obviously, um, what would it go with? Well, I'm not really sure because I don't really eat fish courses so much. I'm sure it would go with many sea courses, but um, I, I, I do. I don't tend to drink many white wines. So let me just read what it says here on Wine Searcher. So this is www.wine-searcher.com. Uh, Regions Vidicchio di Castelli di Diuzu. Good heavens. And I will put um, the name in again. And I guess Sue has dropped out. Thank you for dropping by. Um, let me... Uh, just read what it says here. This is a white DLC region located in the marshes region of central Italy. In 2010, the reserva form of the wine was singled out for promotion. Uh, but this, of course, is the Classico. Um, this wine-producing zone encompasses a hilly territory around the, word, the town of Jisu, that's spelled J-E-S-I, in the province of Ancona, that's A-N-C-O-N-A. The area features fortified villages which were built here in medieval times. The terroir is ideal for the production of mineral... Ah, that's, that, that, that spots it. Mineral-tinged white wines. Uh, thanks mostly to its uh, uh, calcareous clay and limestone-rich soils and a relatively dry marine climate. The temperate climate here is due to uh, the proximity to the Adriatic and to the presence of various local rivers. Um, uh, this area and its neighbours is markedly softer and more rounded than that wine, the Vidicchia wine, produced in the areas to the south. It usually needs several years of ageing to relax its sharper character. Um, it's approachable within the early months of its life. Well, as I say, this is 2012. 
Excuse me, I just muted myself there a moment. And there's a list of some of the wines produced in this region. There's, um, and this, of course, is the, well, I shouldn't say, of course, this is one of the main predominant grapes produced in this region. And um, let's go back to the link that I put in slightly earlier, uh, winesitcher.com forward slash grape dash 522 dash um, so let's read a little bit about the grape variety. Unfortunately, I'm just getting a little bit of a tickle here. Perhaps it's because this wine's a little bit cold still. Mm. But it's extremely pleasant. So <laughs> there's a slight sharp and tart edge to it, but not an unpleasantness. Um, Vidiccio is a yellow-green grape variety from central Italy responsible for making dry wines of the same colour. The variety has been used here for many centuries and its use has been documented in the region since the 14th century. Um, I'm not going to read all this. I'm going to let you uncheck it, but let me read about it. Uh, Vidiccio is not a particularly aromatic variety, especially when overcropped. At its best, it offers elegant aromas of citrus and nuts. Now, I've heard that it's supposed to have the almonds, but I'm not not really picking up on the almonds so much. Um, may well be. The variety lends itself to the production of spumante, that's sparkling wines, uh, which are a local speciality on the Adriatic coast. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, it's got some food matches for us here. Uh, turbot, uh, prawn and sweet potatoes fritters, broad bean salads, roasted flounder with lemon butter. Um, so there's a few hints there. And again, there are 345 matches for Verducio wines. And this is the first time I've had one with this great variety. So it just shows how little of the um, white wines that I drink. Now let me see if there's anything else I want to just read out about this particular wine before we go on to some of the other things that I'm going to talk about. Um, oh, I should just mention, by the way, that to remind people that there's a, a smashing little site, although I don't seem to be able to make that much use of it, the way you heard me talking. This is um, Vino Italiano blogspot.co.uk forward slash 2009 forward slash uh, 03 forward slash Veducio HTML. In other words, it will pronounce Italian wine grapes for you. You won't hear it, but I can play it. Verdicio. Ver, oh, she says Verdicio. 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 But um, it's always an issue for people who are unfamiliar with other language or not have any linguistic abilities to be able to uh, talk about such things. So I'm just going to clear away. Uh, there's lots of information here on um, those pages I've linked. Let me just give one more page on the grape variety itself, and that is the wiki page. Of course, wouldn't get anywhere without wiki, and this is wikipedia.org forward slash wiki. Uh, forward slash Verdicio, and I shall spell it for one last time. V-E-R-D-I-C-C-H-I-O. 
and um, there's the information that we've said. There's an awful lot of information about the different uh, uh, DLC regions in here. Uh, and uh, it mentions a little bit more about the wine style. So let me just read a little bit about that. Oh, uh, the wines in late... Oh, it's showing a picture here of the wines in late October nearing harvest. Of course, as I record this on the 1st of October, that means that they should be harvesting this grape in uh, probably about um, three three weeks from now. So, um, Vidicio can produce wines that are virtually colourless with noticeably high acidity that can come across on the palate with citrus notes. According to the wine expert Janice Robinson, uh, the well-made examples from favourable vintages can have flavours of lemons and a slight bitter almond notes. Now, perhaps the Reserva one does. This is the Classico, maybe a lighter touch. Also notes that it has natural high acidity of the grape, which makes it good base cuvee for producing sparkling wines. One little bit more. According to Os Clark, the quality of Viduccio wines has improved since the later half of the 20th century as producers limit yields even beyond the ones of regulation which provides a fuller flavoured grapes that can better enhance so that can better balance the high acidity okay so if you like your dry right wines uh, this might be a great varietal wine to try okay let me see if um, I think I've covered all the things on the, on the wine that I want to talk about uh, that I'm drinking today. So let's just cover at uh, 21 minutes. Uh, let's talk about uh, a couple of wine facts. And again, these are some of the things that are in the news. Uh, unfortunately, each week, one week, they about good stories about news and health for um, wine. Uh, some weeks they tend to be uh, against. So it, it, it's very difficult. These particular week, we've just got two little news items that have been posted fairly recently on the bbc.news site. Um, the first one is um, talking about um, <clears throat> Police Chief Adrian Lee slams alcohol culture. Now, this dates from the 18th of September 2013 and um, is on the BBC News site. Let me just read a little bit of this. Uh, it's just to give... The reason I do this is just to give a little bit of a an atmosphere to you know to where the prevailing balance the prevailing you know sentiment of people the 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 man in the street as it were are the government perspective you know on how how alcohol affects society uh, how it affects health the pluses the minuses the the concerns and the things to know members i've said uh, before i do this uh, podcast because i enjoy drinking red wines I'm not trying to promote people to drink red wine. I drink more red wine uh, than any alcohol that they already have decided is a suitable amount for themselves. But for those who do enjoy it, hopefully they will um, find some wines from the ones that I've talked about and some of the insights that hopefully on occasion we've brought to the podcast. So here on this uh, September the 18th thing, at Senior Police Chief has raised concerns over the effect of Britain's alcohol culture is having on police and health resources. He criticised people who deliberately set out to get drunk and those who pre-drink 
on cheaper alcohol at home before going on a night out, saying that it was having a massive impact on health and crime. Now, we have this issue in some, well, many major towns and cities, and even in some now country areas in the UK, where not every day of the week, but maybe Friday nights, uh, people get dressed up, as they said, they preload, meaning that they, you know, the girls will, or the guys will gather in one of the houses, six of them, polish off a bottle of vodka between them, then hit the clubs about 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Then the girls, of course, seem to have the slight advantage of getting into some of these clubs free because they know that where the girls go, the lads will follow. Um, but, of course, the other issue is where you've got high streets, where you've got uh, many of these facilities, uh, many of these uh, clubs uh, near to one another, you're either getting people, you know, stringing from one to the other, or at the end of the day, you get them all tipping out onto the street, and then they have, uh, they're all looking for taxis home and so on. Uh, are they going for a late night snack? And um, arguments can sometimes flare up there, and that's where the police, police present is often required, and as this police chief is saying, causes them them you know they have to re- really plan around it and one more news item because uh, we're already at 25 minutes we've already used half the show and we haven't even got to skin contact white wines yet and this is talking again on the BBC News Health site um, from this is from the 30th of September so yesterday um, more children treated in hospital for drinking alcohol again just read a little bit of this Hospitals across the UK are treating an increasing number of children for the effects of drinking alcohol. Nearly 300 youngsters aged 11 and under were admitted to casualty units across the UK last year drinking too much. Now, in one sense, that's less than one a day, but we are talking about very young age here, aged 11 or under. We're not talking about 14, 15, 16-year-olds. And to my American friends, of course, remember in the UK you are allowed uh, to drink alcohol at 18, and actually with parents supervised in a restaurant, I believe uh, youngsters are allowed to have drink wine with a meal from age 16 under the supervision of their parents in a, as I say, a food-licensed restaurant. So those are developments that we try and keep our eye on what's happening. So 26 minutes, let's go to this skin contact white wine with one last apology from me for the fact that that is not what I'm drinking, but I will have a little sip. My throat is a little dry. Okay, well, we've got an awful lot of links here, but let me just read and put into the room the very basic information that I put on the descriptor for this show, and that is skin contact white wines, sometimes called orange wine, produced with ex- the extended skin contact characteristic of red wines, which uh, produces deeper, more intense colours, and quite often uh, a slightly sweeter wine, although that doesn't necessarily follow. Now, of course, you can argue, well, Hang on a minute. Isn't that what a rosé wine is? Where the the skins are taken away from the 
the ground at some point so you don't get the full colouring of red wine. So we're not talking about <clears throat> rosé wines. We're talking about our blush wines. We're talking about a wine that is the characteristic flavours of a white wine but having more flavour imparted by having the grape skins and so on next to it. And um, one of the best descriptions I've found, and this is from a, an actual um, group that I, I'm a member of. This is the, <coughs> excuse me again, Wine Lovers uh, uh, page dot uh, com forum. And there was an article in this. It goes back a long way, which amazed me when I saw it, because this little uh, thread on the forums called uh, Skin Contact White Descriptors um, was posted, would you believe, uh, by Tom Hill, thanks Tom, um, in March 2006. And I've only just been hearing about these wines um, in the last couple of months, really, when, when I decided that I would try and um, use it as one of our our topics. Excuse me, if you hear a break in audio, it's not an issue technically, it's me just muting. One of the issues about doing a, a show like this, continuously talking. Okay, hopefully that's my throat cleared out without invading your ears. Let me just read a little bit about the introduction to this article, uh, which might be a shorthand for um, a description. And um, I'm just going to read it from my iPad here because I can uh, just enlarge the text somewhat. Skin contact whites. These white wines are made like red wines. The skins are left in contact. Uh, the fermentation uh, of the grapes. The contact can be extended from just a few days to throughout the length of fermentation and then beyond fermentation if the winemaker chooses to do so before the wine is then pressed off the skins. The wines often display a golden, burnished bronze, copper, sometimes a brownish colour. If the grapes are gris grapes, uh, grapes that have a slight pigmentation like Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio, they can have a slight pinkish reddish cash, depending on how late the grapes were harvested and the amount of grapes um, anthocyanin, uh, sorry about that pronunciation, content. After the wine is pressed off the skins, they can be aged further in tanks and barrels uh, in the absence of oxygen. That is, made in a reduction manner. In other words, the, the water content goes down, I think. Or they can be left exposed to air. Oh, sorry. That is made in a reductive manner. Or, let me get this right, or they can be left exposed to air. Uh, that is made in an oxidative manner. These oxidative wines have a more of a brownish colour to them. Okay, one last little bit and then please go to the wineloverspage.com if the wines are given only a brief skin contact, they usually display the grape's customary varietal character with some additional nuances from the skin contact. If the wines are given extended skin contact, I find it, I find the writer says 
usually destroys any recognized varietal character and replaces it with a distinctive character that transcends everything, irrelevant to what great variety was used. Um, so take uh, that description how you think. So that's from the winelovespage.com uh, from one of the forums. And the title of the actual thread is um, Skin Contact White Descriptors. And I have put the link into the room. Uh, very quick on the Wikipedia glossier, uh, uh, glossary of winemaking terms. Orange wine, it says here. White wine with extended skin contact. Similar to red wine in production, uh, the opposite of a rosé. Okay, now I'm going to read the next URL to a more extended information on the wiki page. And this is um, Orange Wine. Wikipedia.org forward slash wiki forward slash orange underscore wine. And again, not going to read all this, um, but let me read a little bit. Orange wine can be one of three very different types of wine. It could be wine, usually dry wine, made from white grape varieties that have spent some maceration time in contact with the skin grapes. Now, before I go read any more of that, and I'm not going to read the article, but just let me refer you if you want to know a little bit more about maceration. Um, uh, go to wikipedia.org forward slash wiki maceration underscore and wine in brackets. And maceration is spelled M-A-C-E-R a-T-I-O-N. So I'm not going to read anything from that page, but if you want to just get your head around that a little bit more, a reminder, uh, there you are. So, um, made from white wine grape varieties that have spent some maceration time in contact with grape skins. Orange wine could also refer to sweet white wine macerated with orange peel. Something different again. And finally, the term could refer to a beverage made by fermenting orange juice rather than grape juice. So that's rather uh, a bit uninformative. Uh, but, of course, it then goes on to go with maceration with white grape skins. This winemaking style is essentially the opposite of rosé production, which involves getting red wine grapes quickly off their skins, leaving the wine a slightly uh, pinkish hue. In other words, a rosé is a red wine grape varietal and the skins take away. However, in the case of Pinot Grigio, or Pinot Gris, among the more popular grapes to apply a skin contact treatment that is neither red nor white, the diffuse nature of the term becomes illustrated as both orange wine and a rosé might achieve a similar expression of pink, orange, salmon-coloured wine. So, a little bit of reading needs to be done to clarify in your own mind a little bit about that, maybe. So let's go to a couple of other pages that you may want to pursue more fully, and I'm just going to sort of briefly uh, mention them. I want you to go to their contact. Okay, so this is um, the Winemaker blog, Winemaker Creating Your Own Great Wines, White Wine Skin Contact item, uh, the author is Tim Patterson, and this was done in August, September 2013. So it's an up-to-date uh, point here. It's 
winemakermag.com forward slash uh, 1282-white-wine-skin-contact. Again, not going to read it all. I just uh, want to just introduce you to the item and you go to that person's content. Okay. Rules are made to be broken, and nowhere is that subversive adage more true than in home winemaking. Today, the, today's proposed violation takes on one of the dominant conventions of modern winemaking, no skin contact. This rule is the bedrock distinction between white and red winemaking, right? Reds are born to uh, suck treasures out of the skins during fermentation, while white wines shed that as soon as possible. But it hasn't always been this way. And it isn't the way that some fine contemporary white wines are made. It was, this is not a new concept. This is a revival of a very old way of making wine. Okay, so um, let me go back to where I was. It hasn't always been this way, and it isn't the way some very fine contemporary white wines are made. And it doesn't have to be that way when you're making it either. So it goes on about uh, skin phobia. Back in the mist of times, most, almost all white wines were fermented on their skins, usually in open-top fermenters at uncontrolled temperatures just like red wine. In other words, if you wanted a red wine, you used a red grape. If you wanted a white wine, you didn't use a red grape. Um, and uh, But the skins stayed in contact. Um, since World War II, the worldwide wine industry has rewritten the wine, white wine playbook. Juice and pulp are separated from the skins right at the start. Fermentation is done in natural, closed, stainless steel, steady, Cool temperatures. Reductive winemaking keeps oxygen at bay. Uh, filing and sterile, uh, sterile filtration makes the wine crystal clear and shelf stable. And early bottling ensures fresh, fruity, bright wines. Adopting these protocols has exceptionally improved the quality of white wines around the world. And he goes on from that. So you might think, well, why, why, why go back to this old idea? And of course, it's to give a different look and a look of uh, a different production. And then it goes on again. But again, I don't want to read any more of his content. Go to winemakermag.com and this article uh, 1282-white-wine-skin-contact. And as I say, Tim Patterson, uh, issue August, September 2013. Great article, Tim. And um, let me see. I'm looking at the time. Gosh, we're almost at 40 minutes. Um, I'm going to get, get rid of some of the... Let's read. Let's have a look at this one. SeriousEats.com. I've got down to just one last, because I want to just mention a little bit about, um, again, what's happening uh, as we go forward from this week for next episode. And this is um, www.seriousseats.com and this is from 2010. Wait, orange wine, the fourth wine colour.
Okay, let's just read a little bit of it. I always thought white wine came exactly in three colours, red, white and rosé. Then I learned about orange wines, apparently a category gaining flavour amongst some younger, edgier sommeliers. They can be devilish difficult to track down. Yeah, I couldn't get one, but they are worth the effort. So read on a little bit about that, a little bit tongue-in-cheek there. And then remember, as I said from one of my other links, sometimes orange wine from the wiki page doesn't mean what we are talking about. It talks about other ways that the, the wires, the wine are organised. I've just got a little bit more uh, to read from the, the image that's on that page. And let me just um, uh, read what it says here. Because the, the image they've got is very difficult to read. So I've blown it up. So I can't put the URL in. But uh, let me read the, the opening paragraph of this little bit. Where they then go on to list some, some of these wines that you can actually buy. They've actually got four identified ones there. <clears throat> but it says... We are, we are pioneering this new category of wine by awarding its own section orange wine. They are white wine aged extensively on their grape skins, seeds and stems until the juice obtains a tannic character. In addition, aging and fermentation are often done in open air, so the wine partly oxidizes. Thus, its distinctive burnt orangey colour. Some growers grow further and age their wine in clay um, amarines, that's the big jars, I think, buried in the ground. Others use open top barrels. All were pursuing a highly natural, anti technological vinification, a homage to the methods of bygone age. And that is actually quite good because that brings in the other dimension to this. Are they just making sure that this isn't a lost art and to give people a historic view of how some of these uh, grapes were produced and just what a wine from the 14th, 15th, 16th century may have tasted like. Again, give a more authentic, not necessarily better, but a more authentic insight as to the wines that were being drunk in those time periods. Okay, well, that's about it as I hit 42 minutes. Um, just to remind you that next week, episode 109, will be a wine report on this Manchester wine fair I'm going to. Uh, I've got a, a link here. Uh, I don't know how much use you're going to, but I'll put it in the room. It's um, ilovemanchester.com. Big Indie Wine Fest at the Great Hall. That's the Great Hall, of course, in Manchester Town Hall. It's on two days, the 4th and 5th of October. That's Friday the 4th, Saturday the 5th. I'm going um, on Saturday. And on the Saturday, it's an afternoon session and an evening. I'm going in the afternoon session so that me and my friend Jack can then go and have a meal afterwards. Yeah, and it might sound the wrong way around, but uh, <clears throat> that's the way we do it. And then, most more than likely, next Tuesday, but not at my live time, I shall upload... Uh, my review report on that as I will be um, uh, going out as I said to this Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio play at the Manchester Opera House thank you Ros as that treat and then of course we'll be back uh, here normally in two weeks on the 19th of October uh, for episode 110 but watch out for any time changes as 
the UK changes from summertime to GMT, and then in November, when uh, Eastern Daylight Time becomes Eastern Standard Time. Well, only one more thing to do, and that's to thank you for listening and staying with me, and to find my jazz safe, podcast safe outro music. Thank you for listening. Bye for now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.